Hoopball Podcast listeners. Are you a fantasy expert and want to write or podcast for Hoopball? Do you have aspirations of covering a team? Are you a master of sales and want to earn some cash on the phones? Well, we've got good news. Hoopball's recruiting. If you think you have what it takes, hit us up at Hoopball Fantasy on Twitter or by emailing teamhoopball at hoop-ball.com. Again, that's at Hoopball Fantasy on Twitter or emailing teamhoopball at hoop-ball.com. The following is a Hoopball presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. The intro can come later. It's happening, folks. Woj bombed us at 8 p.m. on Thursday night. The NBPA player rep vote has completed, approving a December 22nd start, 72-game regular season. Source tells ESPN. Next up, the NBA and the NBPA finishing financial terms on the amended CBA, which will take into next week. Expect the trade moratorium to be lifted shortly prior to the November 18th NBA draft. It's happening, and we always knew it would. As soon as that first damn rumor dropped, we knew it was coming. There was way too much money on the line, and we start the countdown. One week, two weeks, three weeks, four weeks, five weeks, six weeks, Six and change weeks until the start of the NBA regular season, and we have relevant fantasy stuff happening. Holy smokes. Yes, you can hear my child screaming in the background. It's not because of the NBA starting, but it should be because we are uh, 47? 47 days from the start of the NBA season, and we are all apparently way too excited here in the Bespers household. Whoa, that's a great way to go. Happy Friday, everybody. Welcome to the final episode of the week of Fantasy NBA Today, a hoop ball presentation. I am your host, same as always, Dan Bespris. You can follow me on Twitter at Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S, or again, just Google Dan from Hoopball. And today, we start the show with a bang. Follow at Hoopball Fantasy. And you'll see more about this all day long. But as we mentioned earlier in the week, Friday was the day we could tell you more about what's coming on Monday. Three days from today, HoopBall's entire catalog of products for the 2020-2021 NBA season and beyond become available. That means you've got Draft Guide. Yeah, the draft guide. You've got the Brewski 150 Access Pass. It's not done yet, but you can purchase access at different times between now and the start of the season. There's the early Brewski 150, the regular time Brewski 150. Um, and new for this year, there will actually be an earliest B150 available only in one of HoopBall's special new packages. So let me tell you about all of these things, all right? I just sit back, relax. I've got a lot of things I got to get off my chest here. So it's big. Again, this is Monday. The whole portfolio is opening up. The draft guide, the B-150 uh, early access pass, and then these new subscriptions 
the Fantasy Pass, DFS Pass, Wager Pass, and HoopBall360. Those are four different membership plans. The prices are extraordinarily low. We'll tell you all about that on Monday. So you guys know what the Draft Guide and the Brewski 150 are. If you don't, uh, Draft Guide, of course, is this unbelievably comprehensive manual HoopBall puts out annually, written by just this incredible cross-section of minds. Mike Passador, 30 Deep winner. Eric Ong, fantasy legend. Uh, Our buddy Adam King. A lot of you guys know Adam. Steve Vitovich. And then just uh, Josh Millman, who's been on the show a million times. The, The list goes on and on. There's like 25 guys that are working on that. They're just incredible I'd rather not try to name them all because I'm sure I'd, I'd get like 24 and leave one poor guy out. So just, it's amazing. They go 400 players deep in their draft guide. Remarkable. The Bruce K150, which isn't done yet, but you can get access to it. You can get passes for different times, is Aaron's top 150 list. It's the best in the business. It's been destroying everybody for the last 10 years. Literally the best ranking list in all of fantasy basketball for 10 years running. No one comes close. You guys know those things already if you're listening to this podcast. The things you don't know, because they're brand new, are our subscription passes coming on Monday at Hoopa. And I know this is a long promo, but this is really important for those of you guys that hang out with us all season long. The Fantasy Pass has the draft guide, the early Brewski 150, and all of our in-season tools in it. So uh, Discord chats with the pros, live video chats with the pros, tools for player rankings, projections, depth charts, all that cool stuff. It's the in-season package all rolled together. That's a monthly membership plan. That also includes, as we mentioned, the DFS pass, which you can get on its own if you prefer for like next to nothing. That's DFS lineups and Discord chats leading up to lineup lock with our DFS pros, guys like Micah Patria, Santino Cocon. They've been on this podcast before as well. The wager pass has picks and handicapping from the best in the biz, myself included, actually. I'm in that. Aaron Bruski is part of the wager pass. Ira Silver, Devin Ellington, Troy Markowski, uh, and the great John Ryan, all part of that. It's unbelievable. Then there's the Hoopball 360, which has everything I just talked about, and you get the B150 even earlier than anyone else. That's the only pass where you can get that. None of these things is particularly expensive. What I will say on this show is you can just follow at Hoopball Fantasy on Twitter, or go to hoop-ball.com, our homepage, and a little orange bar will pop up at the bottom. It's a pop-up where you can get on our email list. We'll be sending out an email on Monday when all of that goes live. So that's a couple different ways that you can stay in touch. This is huge. We'll be talking about it a ton on Monday's show. Uh, again, we'll be telling you everything that's involved in each one of those pieces, and that's going to be our big promo here for like the next month and a half. So thank you for bearing with me. I know that was a long one today. But this is really important to us. This is the one thing we do annually that powers the locomotive here at HoopBall. It's the only thing we sell. This is our sales season. So you're just going to have to bear with us on that. And with that in mind, I'm going to do far less promo than I normally do the rest of the podcast. So you kind of paid it forward here by listening to about our our HoopBall packages at the front end of the show. The goal on today's podcast is to get through the rest of our industry mock draft. So let's see if we can do that. Uh, We left off at, was it Tyler Hero? Yeah, left off at Tyler Hero yesterday. So we'll try to move at a little bit of a better clip. There's, you know, there's 44 picks left. And like I've said before, I don't think that the last 12 to 15 are really all that relevant. But getting through some 25 to 30 other ones 
is going to take a little bit of time. So pick number 101, Markel Fultz. You, you know, I actually think he's an interesting play for this coming year. I, I've referred to him as the poor man's Alfred Payton before. But at the same time, he is also likely to move into a full-time starting role without a veteran point guard breathing down his neck. DJ Augustine is a free agent. You better believe he's going to be championship chasing. I, I mean, I would think he's made enough money in his career. He doesn't really need the big contract at this point. So I'd be a little bit surprised if he came back to back up a young guy. Fultz was only 125 in eight category leagues last year in 28 minutes a game. You ratchet that up to 31 or 32. He's very much a top 100 guy, and if his game improves in any way, he could go a little bit higher than that. So I like that pick. Duncan Robinson at 102 is a saucy one in eight category leagues because I don't know how much more he really has in the tank. He was incredibly durable, Made almost four three-pointers a game last year. Percentages were great. If he just keeps doing what he's doing, he's a nine-category darling with less than a turnover a game. I just don't see a ton of upside for him in eight-category leagues. Larry Nance Jr. went at 103. He was someone that surged last year. He actually ended up at exactly 103 in eight-category leagues. I love him in nine-cat. I don't know where Andre Drummond is going to end up, but the Cavs seemed actually willing to play Nance at small forward for stretches last year. And Tristan Thompson is gone. So even if they do still have Nance, Love, and Drummond, three front court guys is very different than two because in that instance, you don't even need Nance playing small forward. If he does, it's gravy. If he doesn't, he'll just play the 15 backup minutes at both power forward and center. So he can get to 30 minutes as the backup at both the four and the five, which seems conceivable. So I love him as a top 100 guy in eight cat. Uh, I love him as more like a 75 to 70 guy in nine category leagues, low turnovers. I can dig it. This is a great spot to get a, a center eligible guy with, you know, a pretty good floor. Marvin Bagley was the next man off the board. And, it, you know, in stark juxtaposition to Larry Nance, who will very safely punch along in that 100 range and hopefully a little bit better. Marvin Bagley could be a top 50 guy. He could be a top 150 guy, depending on how this season goes. He was 151 last year, barely played, wasn't healthy. Um, I've got to think that with Sacramento implementing, I would assume, a slightly faster offense uh, or maybe more, that this is an upside play worth taking he's going to be drafted low this year because he left a weird taste in people's mouths as evidenced by this selection at 104 so I actually like this a lot I think in a worst case scenario you end up dumping your ninth round pick best case scenario you might get a guy who rolls top 60 top 70 Mike Conley went at 105 you know I got no problem with that he started to bounce back towards the end of the year as you know top 75 top 85 kind of guy and he's so you know he rolls into that old man category so not going to talk too long about him I like it. Kevin Herter, not a massive fan of that one. I, I think there's too much standing in his way in Atlanta with the addition of a center that's going to push everybody down so there won't be as many wing minutes for Herter. They, of course, have Cam Reddish and uh, DeAndre Hunter. That They're all fighting for the same wing stuff. The times when Herter looked good is when he was given control of all basketball activities during the minutes Trey Young was on the bench, which I suppose is a possibility again, but I just, I don't see him as aggressive enough to be uh, a a critical player this coming year. And he might get better. It's tough to say. He was 107 and 8-cat last year. 
if he improves his field goal percent, I guess there could be an improvement there, but I don't know that his minutes and opportunity stay even as high as they were. I could see them actually taking a slight step back just because Atlanta's getting better and the younger guys around him might pass him. Karis Levert, I will pass. Um, of course, if he gets traded, that's probably the reason behind the pick. If he gets traded, you're good. That's 107, I think. Otherwise, you're in real trouble. Montrez Harrell at 108. That's a tough one to make a play on since we don't know where he's going to be. He was number 92 in eight category leagues last year. If he goes to a place where someone's going to give him 30 minutes a night, he should be able to blow through uh, 108. If he ends up as the backup to Ivica Zubats, who was slowly getting more minutes, um, this is a little bit more questionable. Kobe White was pick number 109. Um, yeah, that's a, that's a tough one. Uh, I think he'll probably do enough to be worth looking at. I'm probably not going to be the team that rolls the dice on him, though. Uh, he had a handful of really good games when everybody was out, and they'll probably give him some opportunity, but I, I really think the Bulls want to fight for the eight seed this year, and so that means the leash for guys who make mistakes isn't going to be as long. This could end up being a really good pick. I'll 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 put that out into the universe. Um, I just don't. <sighs> yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna pass on this one. I I don't want him. Uh, Andrew Wiggins is pick number one hundred and ten. Yeah, no thanks. Um, he actually he had by all accounts his best fantasy season in forever last year. He was number seventy four. Um, he's he's gonna be a distant option on the Warriors this coming year. And and you might make the argument that it helps with field goal percent. Um, but I, I don't know how the rest of his stuff stays as strong as it was. He took 18 shots a game this last year. That's just not happening behind Steph and Clay. There isn't a there isn't a, a third guy that can take 18 shots that's not Kevin Durant on that team. It's, it's just not going to happen when your other offensive options are are superior. Goran Dragic was 111. Um, you know he showed him something in the in the playoffs. I just. You know, we've seen him in the regular season, and he's been bad lately. He was number 136 this year in eight category leagues, despite averaging 16 and 5. And I don't know that he's going to a place that's going to give him a truck load of minutes. It, you know, didn't even really look like his body could handle that many minutes. So point me to where he's going first, and then I'll make a call here. I guess he could end up in a spot where he's playing starters minutes, and then maybe you give him a look in this range. Uh, because, you know, he's not going to be horrible, but he does have some holes in his fantasy game that I don't. they're not going away anytime soon. Will Barton at 112, if he's healthy, he'll crush this number. Uh, Barton was actually having a really good year before uh, injury blew him up in the bubble. He was number 71 in 8-cat, which I know is down from 9 because he's not a big turnover guy, but what he's doing in the 112 range, I haven't the foggiest. His, his role, if anything, will get better. You know, Denver may have a thinning of the herd on that team if Millsap leaves and if Jeremy Grant gets more money elsewhere. You know, I know there will be a Michael Porter you can plug in, but Barton's role is fine. Norman Powell is number 100 and what, 13 are we at here now? I don't know. I've lost track. It doesn't matter at this point. I like that one a lot. Uh, I think th that he'll slot into a plenty of opportunity on the Raptors. I know he's another guy that is um, better suited for nine category leagues as a low turnover dude, but he's number 62 in eight cat this year. Absolutely, I'll take him in this range. I will lather him with butter in this range. OG Ananobi went in this range as well. Um, 
you know, he's he's a, a tougher sell because a lot of his value is tied up in, in low turnovers. But I also think that, in general, his game will improve season over season. So, hell yeah, I'll call him a decent grab at this point as well. Cam Reddish is the next one off the board. Uh, yeah, I'll take a shot on him here. I, I was hoping that maybe he'd slip a little bit farther. He's not going to show up on too many boards because he was bad last year, but he started to figure things out as the season progressed. His percentages began to clear a hump, and he's going to get as many good looks as he can handle playing on that Atlanta team next year. There's going to be a, a bunch. Josh Richardson, yeah, absolutely. Another, I think, pretty good pick in this range, a guy who's going to have playing time, and if health is on back on his side. He should be inside the top 100. If but barely, he'll be a little bit boring, I think, but he won't be as bad as he was last year. Yeah, I know this, uh, this is freaking you guys out a lot here, and I'm Josh Richardson is not the one that made me think of that, but I, I know I talked about a lot of younger guys that I'm not that soured on, and, and eight category has something to do with that, but also uh, younger guys sometimes are more durable. Just something to throw into the mix there before we keep rumbling, because I will, at the end of this, have some thoughts kind of as an overall. P.J. Washington, uh, I am not a believer in P.J. Washington. He's number 141 in 8-cat this year. Free throw percent is going to have to get a lot better. Field goal percent is going to have to get better. Uh, a lot of things need to get a little bit better for him. Uh, and I don't know that playing time is going to change that much. Nah, I'll take a shot on somebody else. Uh, Malik Beasley... We don't really know what's going to go on with him. A report surfaced over the last couple of days that it wasn't just, I think there was a marijuana charge, and a lot of us were sort of face-palming, considering that just became legalized in five states earlier this week. But then there was a report that surfaced about him maybe waving a gun in the direction of, a, of his own child. I mean, I don't know what the validity of this stuff is, but if any of it bears itself out over the next month and a half, you might have to suffer through some missed games, which is a shame because otherwise he'd be a really, really good pick at this point. He was actually the top of my queue, and then my draft board went on the fritz, and I ended up with Steven Adams here. Uh, not my intention to take him at the second-to-last pick of the 10th round, although, you know, what is this, pick number 118? He'll probably beat that. The fear, of course, with Adams, he was number 89 in 8-cat last year despite the low turnovers. The fear, of course, with him is, does he get moved? And if so... Is he going to fill out a you know Dwight Howard-like role on some playoff team that can go beat people up, or is he going to go to a place where he plays big minutes? If you're drafting Steven Adams, you better be doing it in Roto and relatively late because there's a very real chance that at the midway point this coming year, he gets sent to a spot where is, he becomes droppable. He goes from being a top 90, top 80 type guy to droppable. So this was not my intention to take him. I didn't mean to. My thing flipped. I was trying to take Daniel Tice, because if I don't, I felt like it would have been way off brand. Um, and I know that you're like, what are you talking about, dude? Uh, Tice was a round and a half lower than Steven Adams. Well, right now, it doesn't look like the Celtics are replacing him as their starting center. That could change over the next couple of weeks. It just seems somewhat unlikely. And, you know, we've talked about it a million times. I know his low turnovers are, are beautiful. But this is a guy that has the basically the full-time starting center for the Celtics, he was rumbling along at a top 60 clip in 9-cat and inside the top 108-cat, even though uh, the the upside is capped a bit by the low turnovers in eight-category leagues. Evan Fournier was the pick. The next one, and this is like, this this surprised the hell out of me, and, and maybe this is the assumption that he's going to end up in a place where 
he's not as comfortable. He's not getting 14 shots a night, but he was number 64 in eight category league. So if he's getting playing time and opportunity, anything close to what he was last year, this is a guaranteed winner. And he's been on the Dan Vespers old man squad before, and he may very well end up there again. I went Jeremy Grant on the next one. I basically drafted him on the assumption that he would be the starting power forward for the Nuggets. We'll see what happens. He was such a brilliant fit for them during the playoffs. Uh, He was 175 in 8-cat this year. My hope there is that he's playing 30-some-odd-plus minutes a game and just collecting defensive stats like they're going out of style. I I don't think that he's going to blow the roof off in 8-category leagues. I think he could actually be an incredible draft day grab in 9 Um, But this is the 11th round, so I figured, what the hell. I like the next pick off the board, yeah. It was Chris Boucher who went right after me. Um, You know, I I clowned on Boucher last year because I was like, look, the Raptors are not going to give the ball or the the torch, whatever you want to say, to either Boucher or Rondé Hollis-Jefferson. You guys remember that fiasco when Marc Gasol went down and everybody was like, sir, uh, Boucher, it's Boucher time. I think it was actually our buddies over at Roto World that kind of made it a thing. And I had to go on a podcast, and I was like, look, I know I'm Captain Buzzkill. I'm always Captain Buzzkill on this show, but neither one of those guys is going to get the minutes. They're going to split them. Ibaka's going to soak up most of it. It's going to be lame. You guys are all going to be sad you dealt with it. And then what happened? You were sad you, de- sad you dealt with it. But guess what? Marcus Gasol's going to Europe. Serge Ibaka's a free agent. He might come back. He could go to Portland. I don't know. Um, it could go a lot of places. And, and if those guys are all gone, the Raptors are devoid of center talent. They, may, they would probably bring in someone to play as a big guy, but then you'd see Boucher and even Siakam a little bit getting enough center minutes and probably consistent enough to where he would have some upside. And this is the 11th round. The other names on the board at this point that are, are just barely worth taking. And we'll move a little bit quicker because some of them, it's kind of like, who gives a flying, you know what? But Boucher at least has some excitement around his name. What if Toronto doesn't fill that center spot? This dude could play 20-some-odd minutes a game, and that would be enough. He could go a little Rashawn Holmesian. I mean, think, look at some of the... And this is not me picking on anybody, but like even the guy I picked in Jeremy Grant, there's not much there in eight-category leagues. But listen to some of the other names. Dante DiVincenzo, who cares? Miles Bridges, does he take a step forward this coming year? I mean, I, you know, we all hope so, but is it likely? Not really. He was pretty bad this last year in most fantasy respects. Uh, Marquise Chris, I like that one actually a lot. That was our buddy Jonas Nader. If the Warriors don't bring in a center, he would be a really nice guy to have. More Again, more 9 than 8 cap, but does stuff across the board. He was one of our key pickups this last year. Remember how I yelled at you guys to grab Marquise Chris? That was one of our winners. Uh, I like this one. Our, our buddy Steve Vidovich here at Hoopball got Alfred Payton, who you guys know I detest as a fantasy player, but I have to give him credit because in eight-category leagues, you wipe out one of the things that hurts him. When he was playing bigger minutes, he was, you know, two and a half, two point seven 2.7 turnovers a game, 2.1 for the whole year. Uh, he got inside the top 100 in eight-category leagues this year. He's probably going to be the starting point guard because he can play some defense. He helps the Knicks stay kind of on point when he's on the floor. Uh, so there's, uh, you know, I wouldn't want to call it an upside play, but to get a point guard who can get you steals and assists at this juncture of a draft, I think it's a really relatively good idea. R.J. Barrett's the next guy. I'm not going to take a swing on that one. Al Horford, who cares? You know, I, Joel Embiid would have to get hurt, I think, for that to be 
fantasy relevant in 8-cat. Tim Hardaway Jr., again, like this is this is what we're talking about. There's just not much there. Hardaway Jr. was number 146 last year, another low turnover guy. Spencer Dinwiddie, useful if he gets traded. Rui Hachimura, not going to have enough going on next to Wall and Beal. Ivica Zubats could have a really nice nine-category year, especially if Montrezl Harrell doesn't come back. DeAndre Jordan, same general idea. Mo Wagner, I don't think he's going to be on the floor enough to be relevant. Nerlens Noel, this is an interesting one, actually. This is Pasador here at HoopBall. Um, you know, that's a play on he goes somewhere new. He gets himself 25 minutes of playing time. I actually like that one. That's, a, that's an interesting grab, especially when you don't know where he's going to be. Uh, if we knew where he was going to be, we'd have a, probably a better idea of when he's going to get drafted, but we didn't, so... Cool. Mo Bamba, you're not going to play. Tony Bradley, you're not going to play. DeAnthony Melton, you're not going to play enough. Zach Collins, fantasy game is kind of whack. Dario Saric, same deal. Darius Garland, I actually kind of like that pick. Kind of like Darius Garland. I, I mean, he might stink all year in Cleveland, but at least there's something there. I went Joe Ingles, who had a down year, and with a healthy Conley, will probably have another down year. But, you know, maybe he maybe he figures it out a little bit. And then Gary Trent Jr. was Mr. Irrelevant in this draft. Also kind of a, meh, who cares, in an eight-category format. So we blitzed through the final 44 picks of our industry mock draft. And the reason I went so fast uh, is that I wanted to save a little bit of time here in the show to to think about the the arc of this thing and whether or not we actually learned anything on sort of the... the uh, a, a grander scale from this draft as opposed to just analyzing where individual players came off the board. But before we do that, I promised I would keep them short, but I am going to do them. That is, please go sign up for an account over at mybookie.ag. Play your free blackjack hand of the day. Um, play some football bets. Whatever you got on tap, man, they've always got some kind of sweet promo going. They've, they had their parlay of the week going on uh, Thursday night. I don't, I don't follow the NFL, so I actually don't really know how that ended up. Maybe was it a win? what the hell do i know uh but our guys do um the guys over at hoopball gaming they win you should by the way you really need to start listening to their podcast today in sports betting because their picks are going to be part of the wager pass which means if you've just been following all that good stuff for free on twitter you either need to listen to the show get the wager pass or both that's what's that's what's coming up here in the not too distant future um so that's it my bookie promo code there is hoopball Get a manscaped.com item. That's our other premier sponsor here on Fantasy NBA Today. Manscaped.com. Promo code is HoopBall20. You get 20% off and free shipping on your order of the Lawnmower 3.0 or whatever else you might get over their website. The Lawnmower 3.0. Pinch free technology. Good in the shower. Yes, it's waterproof with a built in LED and a 90 minute battery life. Oh, yes. Great products at a HoopBall discount. 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com. And what I wanted to mention here, as we look at the the draft, this just-completed mock as kind of a, a big picture, is, for one, you get an idea of where people are willing to take chances on guys where we don't know where they're actually going to end up yet. And that probably won't be a thing when you're doing your fantasy draft. because And by the way, the reason I bring that up is that you're going to need to rearrange some of these names to where, you know, what if Nerlens Noel ends up in a good spot? He's not going to get drafted in the 12th round. So don't build your ideas off of that. One thing I think is good to take away, John Wall going in the 6th round, probably something to stick in the back of your mind. 
wait for more drafts to see where guys like LeBron, Jimmy Butler go if a draft is completed after now the news that the season is likely coming up here quickly. Um, things like that. And maybe the most important thing, I don't know why I buried the lead here. I sort of saved it for the third thing, is look to see who surprises you with how late they go in a draft. I actually am less concerned with who goes early as I am with who goes late. Um, Paul George going at the end of the second round, even in an eight-category draft. That, to me, was was pretty late for Paul George. Um, I thought Ben Simmons going in the third round was actually pretty late for an eight-category draft. And I don't know if all of this carries over into a nine-category format. You know, Ben Simmons will obviously go a lot later in that. Um, Paul George, does he go a tiny bit later or, or roughly in the same neck of the woods? Um, Nick Vucevic went pretty late, I thought, in this draft. He was... By, oh, by the way, I should repeat where these guys went as we're talking about them. Paul George went at 23. Ben Simmons went at 26. Um, Vooch was... 32, I think, in this draft, if I'm not mistaken. Um, you know, D'Angelo Russell, actually, I thought was relatively late going midway through the fourth round, given that, you know, he's going to have ball handling duties and who cares about his his turnovers in this particular format. Um, Clint Capella went insanely late. DeMar DeRozan went really late. I think there's fear of him getting traded, but, he, you know, he'll have a job wherever he goes. Uh, I thought De'Aaron Fox going in the fifth round was actually somewhat late for this for this format or even almost for any format. Uh, Ricky Rubio, it seemed like he proved himself last year. Him going in the sixth round was kind of late for this draft. Gordon Hayward went pretty late. Other names that may have jumped out at you a little bit on that late side. I mean, those were probably the big ones. And then as you work your way through the the middle and later rounds, you get into the kind of the old men types where, you know, Marcus Smart went pretty late. Uh, Eric Bledsoe went pretty damn late. And some of the guys we talked about today, Mike Conley went late. Uh, who the hell else did we just talk about today? That was Will Barton went extraordinarily late considering how good he was and the expectation that he should probably come back with some measure of health. So keep an eye on some of these guys that are going late in mock drafts. That's that's pretty much, if you guys are like, Dan, how do you make your old man squad? It's not by looking at guys that are old. It's by looking at dudes that are proven winners that are falling for whatever reason, whether they were hurt last year, didn't perform last year, uh, underperformed last year. That's almost that's the big one in most of this stuff. That's how I make a lot of my lists. It's like, all right, I'm going to look for this guy in this round, or I'm going to look for this, you know, three or four guys to be available in this spot, and I'll take any of them. I don't worry too much about position or stats, even really, as I'm working my way through a roto draft. I'm looking at values. If I'm good at one category, I can, you know, I can flip a guy. I want best available. If there's a guy like a Marcus Smart in this one who's available at 90, who's almost guaranteed to be in the 60 to 75 range, yeah, you take him. Otto Porter is an interesting case study in that. If you think he's going to be healthy for even a small portion of the year, he went in the 90s in this draft. The 90s, guys. So keep an eye out for that stuff. We'll be doing a lot of this as draft day approaches. And that's generally my thoughts on our way too early mock draft. Way, way too early. (laughs) Um, 
Fear not, folks. We have a lot more coming up. On Monday's show, we're going to spend a lot of time talking about what's available at HoopBall with all of the new products dropping. So that is uh, that is on the docket. And then provided something else happens between now and then, we'll, we'll certainly cover that as well. Uh, we'll have mocks going left and right here. We're going to have some uh, high-profile stuff happening. We'll try to get some guests on the show over the next couple of weeks. It's countdown time, ladies and gents, uh, to NBA, if you can believe that. We are... What are we now? Are we under seven weeks? No. One, two, three, four, five, six. Yeah. Sheesh. How did that happen? <sighs> I must have lost my mind. I must have blacked out for a little bit over the last um, eight months. Is that possible? Can you can you just zonk out for eight months and then wake back up again? I suppose it's possible. A uh, big thank you to everybody that was involved in this draft. Adam King for orchestrating and then just a, a cavalry of great fantasy analysts who were like me and like Adam lusting for something to do. Uh, some of them, I think, named their teams, which is going to make it harder for me to get their names right. But Alex Rickling, my Pasador, uh, Rickling, by the way, um, Jared Johnson, uh, Greg Ehrenberg, Matt Smith, Jonas Nader, Josh Millman, Al Hunter, Eric Ong, Steve Vidovich, myself, and Adam King. That was your 12 teams in the draft. Great work by everybody involved to get something like this going when there wasn't any news happening about the NBA at the time. So well done, gentlemen, and you gave me a week of, of content on the podcast. That's the, the thing I'm most thankful for. Again, mark the calendars. Everything comes to those who wait until Monday. Until Monday, hoopball dropping all the goodies three days from now. By the way, uh, I think we're going to start to get new listeners back into the mix here. So if you're new to the show, if you're enjoying what you're hearing so far, please drop a five-star review on iTunes. It would mean the world to me and to all of the uh, all of the folks working hard over here at hoop-ball.com. Have a great, great, great weekend, everybody. Whatever you might be doing, continue to please do it safely. We'll talk to you guys first thing on Monday morning. So long. This has been a hoop ball presentation.